The Kyle Rittenhouse defense rests its case. What's going on in Eastern Europe with Belarus and Poland? And love, hate, hate to end the week with the big man, Baker Machado himself. Friday, need to know. Let's go. Try talk, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for November 12th. I am Carlo Versano, and I'm here Ooh. once again with BM himself. How are you, Baker? Hi, Carlo Versano. Happy Taylor Swift Day to you. Um, for our viewers and our listeners who uh, tweeted at me yesterday, uh, you know, hoping I feel better and sound better. Um, Here's what you get. You sound, I sound worse, worse, actually. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the funniest thing is I actually feel better. I feel much, much better. Um, I'm not as congested in any of that, but I do sound much worse. I sound like a very gay frog this morning. Um, but <laughs> I will do everything I can to make sure that this show runs very smoothly today. Okay, I appreciate that. A couple, uh, just a couple pieces of housekeeping here. We're doing the YouTube watch party today because it's Friday. So yes. head on over to youtube.com slash cheddar now at 9 a.m. Eastern. You can talk with Baker and I about whatever's on your mind, whatever's Love in it. the news, love, hate, hate, all that. Um, and also just one other thing for everybody who has emailed or DM'd me who I haven't responded to over the last week or so pointing out that um, when I was complaining this time last week about daylight savings time, oh, yeah? everybody pointed out it's not actually daylight savings time that I'm complaining about. It's the end of daylight savings yes, time. Yes, correct, correct. Whatever, whatever. Time is I, a social construct. I feel like okay? I've learned... I just want more light. I just want more light in the day. Yeah, I don't you know, care it's, what It's that... funny because I've learned more about daylight savings time in the last week that there's daylight savings time and then there's standard time that's out there. Yeah, whatever. And, and so I had to figure out, am I, like, again, I want to abolish daylight savings time as much as you, so I don't know if I'm... A, for daylight savings time, the the proposal, or for standard time, but I figured it out. I'm for standard time, apparently. Okay. All right. Yeah. Is know. that the one right. where it's light? Where it's light out later? Yes, that's what I exactly. want. Exactly. I just want it to be light so. out for. Yeah, that's all okay, I care good. about. All right, so let's dive into the headlines, Carlo. We got a lot to get to, and let's start with my home state of Colorado. The governor there, Jared Polis, overruled the national recommendation and has now signed an executive order now allowing every adult in the state to get their booster shot. Colorado, one of a growing number of states seeing their case numbers and hospitalizations back on the rise. The southern states that bore the brunt of the summer surge, like Florida and Alabama, they're now faring as well as any state now. New hotspots cropping up in states like Michigan, Vermont, and New New Mexico. I read yesterday, New Mexico, the hospitals now at full capacity. Uh, and we should note the COVID numbers, while they've been going down over the course of the last few months, they've actually started to tick back up again, Carla. We are up 2% on the daily average cases uh, over the course of the last two weeks. As one uh, COVID researcher put it to the Associated Press, quote, it's hard to know what's coming next with this virus. And I think that's kind of the bottom line. I mean, I give True. up, man. I, I'm going to I've been prognosticating about this this uh, freaking pandemic for like two years now. I, everything I ever say about COVID is wrong. It feels like it's like, oh, I think it's over. It's about to be over. Maybe it's going to be over after this surge. Maybe uh, I, right. I don't know anymore. Who the hell who the hell knows anymore? But I, I mean, look, get your vaccine, get your booster shot when you can. Wear a mask when it makes sense to do so, and go on living your life. That's so, the that's the bottom line. I think I think you're right, and I also want to commend the governor for doing this because we, the CDC and the Biden administration, has not given clearance to anybody under the age of 40 getting these booster shots. I, for one, am almost going 
eight months since I got my second dose, so I'm sort of uh, yeah. in this COVID purgatory area right now where I want as much protection as I possibly can. And so I think, and this is what Governor Jared Polis said yesterday, he basically said, we need to give everybody as much uh, of an opportunity to use the tools available to them to make their best decisions on how they want to protect themselves. And I think that's, I think that's what the strategy should be right now, even though there's yeah. some conflicting data from scientists about whether or not we need to get the booster shot. I think if people feel safe and secure and if uh, just to protect themselves and also to protect this country and the economy and everything else that we've seen over the last year or two why not let them just get the booster shot yeah no i i, I agree Pol i like polis i think he is very popular he's got an over 60 percent yeah. approval rating uh and also the first out gay governor uh yeah in american history. he got married recently yes, right he did he did yeah. uh, he got married because he was during COVID, he he had been with his partner for a very long time, but um, they I think they both contracted COVID and they were very worried about the mm. health of each other, so that's why they ended up getting married. Either way, a very sweet story for them. Uh, let's move on and talk about Kyle Rittenhouse because closing arguments in that trial going to start Monday, Carlo. That after the defense rested their case. Now, one of the final witnesses for the defense was a use of force expert who testified that less than three seconds had elapsed between the time a demonstrator had fired a gun in the air and when Rittenhouse had shot his rifle. Now, one of the big issues the jury is going to decide is the question of timing, and that's very important here because the prosecution is stressing that the chain of events took place over hours, starting with Rittenhouse's decision to go to the violent protest with a gun, but the defense is arguing that the time frame that matters is deciding whether or not the use of force was justified, and that's just within a couple of minutes around the shootings that left two people dead and one person injured. Yeah, 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 I misspoke yesterday. Uh, he, when I said um, somebody pointed this out, so I just want to get on the record. Rittenhouse didn't actually cross state lines with that uh, with that rifle. He uh, he crossed state lines to attend this protest, but he wasn't carrying the gun. I don't really know how much this matters, but it's important to just get on the record and be straight about it. He had his friend in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, buy him the AR-15 that he was uh, that he used um, because he was underage at the time. He was only yeah. 17, right? Uh, and then he had that weapon uh, kept at his buddy's house in Kenosha. So just for whatever that's worth, that is um, j just to be completely accurate. So, I mean, I look, they're charging, the, the, the top charge here is first-degree murder. I, I mean, I wouldn't vote to convict him on murder one. I, I don't think I would if I were in that jury. I mean, did the prosecution in this case prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this kid went to that protest with the intent to kill and then did so with, quote, utter disregard for human life, end quote, which is the, uh, you know, the, that's, that is what murder in the first degree is. That is a serious burden of proof. And I don't think from everything that I have, have seen and heard and read about this trial that they have met that. No, look, this is we prosecutors already had an uphill climb to begin with and this was before the judge had that viral comment basically condemning the prosecutors over their questioning of Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, again, I, I don't know how this is going to shake out because this is a really tough case for the jury because you can kind of see both sides of this angle here. I, I literally, I have no idea what the jury is going to do here. This is going to be a tough case for them to decide. I think, yeah, no, I think he's going to walk, as I said yesterday. I also just, just, and, and I'm not trying to sound like I, def I, again, I don't like this kid. I don't think what he did was morally defensible. I wish that people in this country would stop, you know, thinking of themselves as like vigilante, uh, you know, police in training or like militia in training. I think that's all craziness. But, but 
I don't think that uh, you can charge that he will be convicted with for murder in the first degree for what he did. Also, one other thing, and, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but it seems like a lot a, this case has it, it has gotten into this sort of like there's sort of like racial overtones or undertones to the coverage of this. People do understand that he shot three white guys, right? right I'm not saying that right. that's not better or worse. But it was at a Black or, Lives and, Matter or, protest. Yes, that's true. But uh, to the extent that that it's uh, you know, race is is relevant in this case. I don't really see it. I mean, he he is white, and the victims in this uh, shooting were white. And I'm just not sure everybody knows that, to be honest. Look, you bring up a valid point. I'm concerned. The only thing I'm concerned about is, let's just say, whatever happens with the verdict, does he become a bigger martyr for more conservative causes? Do you see more oh, yeah. people basically go to protests as a result of this, knowing that they can get the Kyle Rittenhouse treatment here because they can claim self-defense? And does this, you know, does this does this scare people to go back out and, and, and protest because they now know these vigilantes can cross state borders and can shoot them in self-defense? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to shake out, but I, I'm very nervous about yeah. the outcome here. Uh, let's talk in some international news. Carlo oversees the authoritarian president of Belarus. Bruce now threatening to cut off gas supplies to Europe, further ratcheting up tensions between the Russian puppet regime and the EU. Now, Belarus and Europe have been at odds over a growing migrant crisis at the border. Oh, and it is really bad. Uh, between uh, Belarus and Poland, that doubles as the eastern NATO and uh, EU border. Now, a major Russian natural gas pipeline goes under Belarus, and Vladimir Putin would have to give the okay to turn off the spigot, but no indications whatsoever he would do that. Belarus, of mm -hmm. course, known as Europe's last dictatorship. Um, I believe the uh, the Lukashenko regime has been there for quite a few decades. Yeah, I asked uh, Becky, our uh, need-to-know chief Eastern Euro European affairs correspondent, about Belarus, uh, what the deal is with that country, and she just turned to me deadpan and just said, I'd rather live in Bulgaria, which, uh, if you know her, is the equivalent of, like, me saying I'd rather live in New Jersey. Uh, no, <laughs> no offense to our Jersey listeners, of course. Um, I, I, I kid, I kid. But, yeah, this is, uh, you know, in the meantime here, the EU adopting a much more hardline approach to its borders, particularly this eastern border. They're going so far as to consider are building walls and yeah. fences that would push back this migrant surge that's been trying to get into Poland from Belarus. That's important. That's a big shift. You know, one of the founding principles of the European Union has been freedom of movement, right? And the bloc prides itself on its sort of hospitableness to refugees of all shapes, sizes, and colors coming from anywhere in the world. This is what got Angela Merkel in trouble back in 2015 with the uh, Syrian refugee crisis. Um, but this is, you know, this is fascinating. Lukashenko, the, the Belarus strongman, he he has been giving out tourist visas like candy, basically to anybody in the Middle East, particularly who wants to come there. And of course, you know, nobody has tourism in mind when they think of Belarus. Right. Oh, yeah. So it's it's all sort of a farce here. The airport in Minsk, which is the capital of that country, they're now seeing 55 weekly flights from airports in the Middle East. Wow. Uh, so this guy is he's he's essentially creating a migrant crisis out of thin air in order to destabilize Europe and punish Europeans uh, for these sanctions. It's it's. It's fascinating. I think you're going to see more stuff like this, uh, especially with some of these sort of, um, you know, dictators who are perhaps on their last legs, right? Well, by the way, from a business perspective here, you know, some of the people I follow on social media are concerned if he does turn off the gas pipelines, what does that do for energy and oil prices over the weekend? You mm -hmm. can see cascading effects as a result of that. And then don't forget, I mean, just within the last year, Lukashenko has been in the headlines for two different reasons. One, the situation with that uh, Olympian 
where she basically fled to get away oh, from, right, yeah. from Belarus. And then secondly, uh, a, a journalist that Lukashenko, that was critical of the Lukashenko regime, yeah. he forced that flight to land um, so that way he could basically detain that journalist that was critical of the Lukashenko regime. So a lot of scary things happened. And that's important. Right and that's important because that's one of the things that triggered these sanctions that he's now upset about. Exactly. So true. All right. Meanwhile, uh, let's move back here to the United States. Carlo, homes in the U.S. are selling at their fastest pace on record. That according to a new report from the National Association of Realtors, between July 2020 and June of this year, the average listing stayed on the market for just a week before it went into contract. The year before, the average was three weeks. A majority of sellers also able to get their full asking price with 35% of homes going above ask. I mean, the market is, I mean, I am still so incredibly surprised at how hot the market has still remained to be even during the pandemic, Carlo. Yeah, it's incredible. This competitive housing market, it's great for homeowners. You know, if you own a house and you're looking yep. to move, you're looking yep. to upsize or, you know, go somewhere else, it, it's it's really good. But if, if you're a first-time home buyer uh, and you're trying to sort of get into the market without the windfall oh, that comes from selling, you know, your previous house, it's more or less impossible. I mean, unless you're unless you're just like you know wealthy and you can make some, you know, cash all cash offer uh, at the ask the minute that a house goes on the market. It's crazy. It seems like it's cooled down a bit since the summer, but I think it's probably still too early to tell. Um, and typically, you know, the period that's coming up, the kind of holiday and winter period, is the slowest time yes. of the year for the housing market. So I think we're, it'll be interesting to see. Are we going to see kind of like a flood of new buyers who have been sitting on the sidelines just because they got priced out oh, yeah. come back online? I don't know. What I do know is if I could go back in time and do one thing, I would have bought an apartment in New York City in like April oh, of 2020. Oh, beyond. So, Carlo, <laughs> I bought a house during COVID upstate, uh, and I ended I, up right, having, yeah. I ended up having to pay me and my husband uh, uh, almost 20% more on the asking price on it. And buying a house in COVID was the weirdest experience of my life because we we couldn't even bring a realtor inside the house. And they're like, oh, by the way, there's like seven offers on this house. You need to make a decision now, right. uh, which yeah. was crazy. Um, but the, the house is falling into this into a swamp and yes. it has a major rat infest station and uh, it's a million dollars and you yes. need to make an offer now yes no but that's <laughs> but that's basically what it's like right now and the other problem is starter homes you know first-time family homes for a lot of millennials who would be in the house buying process right now they're either so expensive that millennials can't afford them right now because the housing yeah. prices are up. And then the second thing is, is the single family homes. A lot of people, because the prices are going up, are staying in their houses. So less, uh, less there's less basically available on the market Churn. for people yeah. to buy. So this is why it's a compounding effect. And this is why so many millennials are not buying as many houses yeah. as our parents' generation did. We desperately need more housing in this country. Yeah, let's talk about Chinese tech giant Alibaba. They took in a record, Carlos, $85 billion in sales during their annual 11-11 Singles Day shopping extravaganza. That in spite of the supply chain breakdown, a slowing economy in China and Beijing's tech crackdown. Now, while that is an amazing, astounding number, I mean, $85 billion is incredible, that dwarfs what Americans spend on Black Friday and Cyber Monday combined. It is the slowest pace of growth for Singles Day uh, yet. I mean, it's incredible to think that like every year, Singles Day gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, but yet $85 billion was so small compared to previous ones. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of a, a precursor to what we're going to see here in a couple of weeks. I think you know, you got this red hot consumer demand, and it's combined with all of these strains and issues with the supply chain that we talk about that has just left all of these products kind of out of stock or back ordered. Um, so that's going to be, I think, what's in store for the holiday shopping season around oh, yeah. the world, and particularly in the United States. And by the way, the supply chain 
now currently hitting me hard because my Kiehl's products, my fancy pants uh, soap pr- that I get from the uh, the Kiehl's store in Manhattan yes, yes. is out of stock. Baker. What? What? Wow. Wow. Yes. That, I mean, this is really I, hitting you hard when you can't wear yeah. the Kiehl's products here. Yeah, this is so. This is you know, this is my my new I mean, uh, my new crusade my, here. Get me my, my thirty seven dollar Kiehl's shampoo. <laughs> my mother, two weeks ago, because all my mom does, by the way, is watch Cheddar all day, and because all we talk about is the supply chain issues, she's like, "You need to send me your holiday lists like now, yeah. because I need to like know what to get you, because who knows if you know, God forbid, if it's even going to get here in time for the holidays." The other larger question, and I don't know if this is going to be the case across the board. Are there going to be as good of Black Friday deals as we traditionally usually have because the supply chain is not going to be as good for these retailers that they'll have enough in stock? So for them, is it worth it to basically cut down the price of a lot of products when you don't have as many of them? So who knows if we're going to be getting as many of the deals this year like we traditionally got in the past as well. Even though Americans are saving more than we have in years, household debt is at its lowest it's been in decades because of the pandemic because we've been stuck at home. I think uh, Be- Becky has a very good Christmas shopping mantra that I I will impart to you now. I always thought yes. it was kind of smart. It's it's uh, one of each. Want, need, wear, read. Want, need. Want, need, wear, read. Wear. So read. Oh, one present, it. one one present for each of those things. Um, and I think uh, you know I think this year is just going to be. I think it's going to be all about you know shop small, right? Oh, yeah. Go to your go, shop at the local guy, get something handmade. Oh yeah, you totally. Know, be, make your own presents. Like it's just. It, I think it's just that could be a good thing for all of us. But um, I've also I've also realized my own shopping habits as I've gotten older tend to like become more boring. Like you remember when you were a kid? Like I don't know, maybe if this was just me, I would spend hours crafting my holiday shopping list. You know, I'd be <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I want this DVD, or I want this CD, or I want this t-shirt and I would give my parents links to where it was at online. Now I'm just like, just give me socks, give me underwear. And I always used to make fun of my dad for getting that for the holidays. And now I'm just like, ah, screw it. Just give it to me. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I mean, sheets. That's all I want. Yeah, exactly. Candles. That's yes. I I told my mom, I was like, buy me like a hundred dollar candle. Just, you know, spend your budget on me on one thing. Carlo, let's talk about this wild story in Michigan. The attorney general has publicly apologized to the entire state because she got drunk at the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry game two weeks ago. Dana Nessel, the Democratic attorney general, posted on Facebook that she had overserved herself at a pregame tailgate party because she drank two Bloody Marys on an empty stomach. She said she had to be helped out. Yes, I've been there too. She said she had to be helped out of Spartan Stadium, quote, so as to prevent me from vomiting on any of my constituents. I'm I'm glad she's at least very upfront about that. Now, the attorney general revealed to her staff that they wanted to hire a crisis firm to deal with the fallout from what the Michigan press was calling tailgate gate. But Nestle decided that it was just better off explaining to people that she got drunk. Um, You know, I... You remember in Us Weekly, I think they still do it. You know, they have that section, it's like stars, they're just like us. You know, they they pay their parking tickets. You know, they go buy apples. Politicians are just like us. You know, they drink two Bloody Marys at a tailgate party on an empty stomach, and then, you know, they had to be carted out as a result. The thing I like about this story is it is a case study in good 
PR for yeah, politicians. Just, I agree. Just admit it. Honest, just admit it head on. I, I drank too much. I drank too much at a football game, no less. Nobody cares. No regular no, people no. is going to knock you for that. If anything, it's going to make your poll numbers go up. I agree. It's just like the pointy-headed losers out there in like communications and PR that think that, like, oh, no, you have to have a crisis management firm to manage the fallout of getting drunk at the Michigan State game. Like, no, From you two don't. two Bloody Marys, just two. It's not like she drank, yeah. like, 15, like, you know, like uh, hard seltzers, or, you know? yeah. No, go read. If you're if you're in this business, the, the PR business, go read this thing that she put on Facebook. It's just the tone of it is brilliant, and just the way she takes it head on and makes fun of herself. It is. Uh, I, I, actually, I thought it was really I think, smart. I think it's smart. I think it's cathartic, and I also think, I, 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 it's refreshing because politicians are known to lie out of their mouth on everything. Especially if this was another politician that would probably be like, oh, I didn't get drunk at this game. You have, you know, have no proof about yeah. any of that. So the fact that they admitted to it and said, look, I made a mistake and I was having fun. And also, like, who doesn't love a Michigan-Michigan State rivalry game in the state of Michigan? If anything, that shows yeah, that you're exactly. more, that, if anything, that shows you're more in tune with your constituency because right. of that, you know? Yeah. No, in Michigan, it should be like a, uh, you have to get drunk at the Michigan-Michigan State game in order to run for uh, <laughs> right. statewide office. Exactly. Okay, Baker, uh, more to know before we do Love 88? Yes, yes, yes. All right, so the January 6th committee, Carlos, set to receive the first batch of Trump files from the National Archives later today, but a federal appeals court has issued a temporary injunction blocking that release for now. Now, Mark Meadows, tr uh, President Trump's former chief of staff, has been given an ultimatum. He either testifies today to that committee or he risks contempt charges, but he has said he believes that the, he is covered under the former president's executive privilege here. This is all going to go to the Supreme Court, which is yep. going to rule in Trump's favor, I imagine, given that he stocked yeah. it with, uh, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be an interesting case. Uh, meanwhile, the death toll in the uh, Astro World concert disaster from a week ago has risen to nine. Bardi Shahani, she is the 22-year-old Texas A&M senior. She succumbed to her injuries in the hospital uh, Wednesday night, where she had been fighting for her life. It sounds like they had to take her uh, off of life support after she oh, didn't show any brain activity. So, so terrible. So terrible. So sad. So young, Carlo. Some a lot mm. of those kids that lost their lives at that. Uh, the COP26 summit in the final hours now in Glasgow. Negotiators racing against the clock to hammer out a final agreement between the nations. Disputes, though, still remain over money the speed of emission cuts, and indeed, whether an agreement should even mention the word fossil fuels here, Carlo. Okay, go check your spam folder. Uh, Microsoft has been sending out 50,000 gift cards this week to random customers. Just anybody who had that, you know, they have their email address for uh, 25,000 of those are for 10 bucks, but the other 25,000 are for a fat hundo, Ooh. a fat stack, a hundred bucks. Microsoft says uh, the recipients were just randomly selected for this upcoming holiday promotion. hundred bucks at Microsoft. That's not bad. No, you can find something to spend there pretty easily. Mm. Meanwhile, Carlo, as I said at the top of the show, and I'm loving it so far, Taylor Swift dropping her re-recorded 30 track version of her landmark 2012 album Red on all the streamers overnight. The release includes a 10-minute version of the song All Too Well, which was famously rumored to have been written about Jake Gyllenhaal after their breakup. Now, Swift did hint on Jimmy Fallon last night that she's gonna perform that track on SNL tomorrow. I've listened to most of the album so far. It already got a perfect five-star review from Rolling Stone already. I love it. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so perfectly tailored. I'm, I'm, I'm just a gaga yeah. over it right now. God, between between Taylor and Adele, this is like real breakup. Uh, oh yes, breakup album yes, this is season, right? this is breakup divorcee season right now. Like what it, <laughs> it used to be, hot, it used to be hot girl summer. Now it's like depressed chick autumn right now. 
Oh, bad. And uh, just in uh, the NFL, a couple big signings in the NFL ahead of Week 10 this weekend. Cam Newton returning to the Carolina Panthers, the team that drafted him number one overall back in uh, 2011 and then cut him a couple years ago. And OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., has just signed with the L.A. Rams after he was released by Cleveland. So many stars on that L.A. Rams team. And don't forget the um, that new stadium in Los Angeles where the Rams play has the Super Bowl this year. So who knows if the Rams oh, yeah. maybe are the home team uh, at their own stadium at the Super Bowl this year. Oh, that would that would be cool. Okay, Baker, we're going long, but let's do a little love-hate. Yes. I will start today. Uh, one thing that we love... Making small talk with a stranger. Ooh. Don't make fun of me here. But uh, I think it's, you know, it's an undervalued social skill. And I, it, when you have a baby, Baker, you will learn this one day, you become like the mayor <laughs> of the town, right? I, I talk to everybody now. It's so funny. It's like I talk to the nannies at the park. I talk to, you know, the girls at the cafe. I, even the crazy guy on my block who right. apparently lives out of his car. I talk to him every day. Um, and the baby really helps with that. But it just makes you realize, like, I think people really like, especially in a place like New York City where you're kind of like tuned to just not talk to people unless right. you're like actively being, you know, harassed on the street true, or something. True, true. It's just so it's nice to just, you know, talk about the weather, talk I, about whatever's on your mind. I also I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. And I also feel like people are doing it more now because we're kind of in this different phase of the pandemic. People aren't wearing their masks as much outside. Yeah. I think I think people generally like are trying to find anything that makes them happy. So, yes, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. I actually enjoy it as well. Yeah, it's great. Just ask that old lady sitting on the, you know, sitting on the stoop, like, what she thinks about the and weather. And you'll have, like, a nice five-minute conversation. She might thank yeah. you for doing that as well, and you might learn something from that old lady on that bench. Exactly. Meanwhile, one thing we hate, and I really hate this. If anything, it, like, really grinds my gears, <laughs> Carlo. People who do not return the cart to that little shopping cart hut in the parking lot, you can really <laughs> tell a lot about a person by their willingness to just leave that cart uh, you know, in the middle of the parking lot where all of a sudden it's hitting cars and doing all this other yeah. stuff rather than, I don't know, walking five feet to your left and just putting it inside <laughs> the thing. I'm one of those people, and I know I'm, I'm probably a, in a very small minority here, but I will go and grab other people's carts when I'm returning my own just to return the other ones, just to clear out the parking lot, just to oh, be a good Samaritan. Wow. That's a good, okay. So here's the test. Here's the test on this because I think I think everybody agrees that like yes, if it's like a crowded grocery store, a lot of cars going in and out, like you got to return the cart, otherwise right. it's gonna hit something. Here's the test though. You're at Costco. It's like you're the last person to leave, right? It's nine o'clock at night. It's desolate. The parking lot is totally empty. You put your stuff in your car. The cart hut thing is like a hundred yards away. What do you do? Ooh. Oh, you know, you, I'm already anxious just thinking of this already. Like, do, I, you, I, do you return it? And no I one's do. watching. I do, I yeah. do, and okay. I do, and then, and you know what happens? Then my husband yells at me. He's like, "You could have just left it. You could have just left it there. It'd be yeah. fine." <laughs> yeah. But no, That's I think the, that, I, I think the anxiety would kill me if I left it. I don't know if I'd be able to just leave it there. Yeah. No, I feel you. Then you just feel all day. You're like, I can't believe I left that cart there for I know. somebody to no, hit. No, weeks later, I'd still be thinking about it. <laughs> Okay, and one thing that we ate, uh, I had a good chicken Caesar yesterday, uh, which is the the least disappointing of the salads, at least the lunch salads. Um, put a little chicken, a little endive, some lemon. So I am Always a fan. I am a big fan, Carlo, of a chopped salad. I really didn't get into the chopped salad until I moved to New York because that's not really a West Coast yeah. thing, the chopped salad. But I, I will take any good crisp salad that is chopped. I think it's amazing, and a Caesar also great. 
Yeah. Chef salad is also good. Yes. Or Cobb. Yes. Well, any of those salads are really yes. good, but Caesar's my favorite. All right. Well, on that note, Baker, thank you as always of for course. filling in. I'll see you on the YouTube live chat. Oh, in a yes. while, guys. Big party. Come join us and uh, have a great weekend. Joel's back on Monday, and that's what you need to know for Friday, November 12th.